seen a lot of uh, Scottish football on television uh, back in Holland. And uh, of course, uh, you see a fantastic uh, arena here. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, interesting to come to uh, Scotland and uh, play for Celtic. Hello and welcome to the Bynamit Celtic podcast, the daily Bynamit Celtic podcast. My name is Lawrence Donigan and I'm joined today, as I'm joined every day, by my good pals, Remy Swain and Paul Thompson. How you doing, Remy? I'm uh, very good. Uh, I'm really digging your crap, Anthony Hopkins impression. The uh, You'll never guess. Uh, Paul, how you doing, pal? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good, Lawrence. Uh, I thought it was maybe just some speech in terms of I didn't want to make a big deal about it. The... Um, was it you that intercepted the thing on the Twitter feed, Paul, calling Remy the Vera Lynn of Celtic podcasts? <laughs> I, that's, uh, we'll meet again, right enough. Uh, no, he's, uh, he's he's obviously been stu- you know somebody standing on the top of the White Cliffs of Dover listening to the podcast and got a wee bit nostalgic last week and and saying that stuff. I think it was actually on the on the Kerrydale Street podcast thread which is quite an entertaining read if you've not read it before but give us a song Vera uh, very good uh, well uh, I, I know the guy that posted it and the next time we play sevens he's getting a boot uh, the, uh, I think the, po- the point was getting the, getting the community through uh, these hard times Here, the other one just on that uh, I got an email uh, from a good pal of mine Sean how you doing mate uh, the, uh, describing Harry Brady as the Paul McStay of podcasting. Can you believe that? <laughs> what, he threw his boots into the crowd at Kay Adams? Absolutely unbelievable stuff. Was he? Was it Raymond McStay more like? Uh, anyway, uh, it's good to know that people are enjoying the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure we've got uh, how long we can keep it going daily. There's not a huge amount to talk about. Uh, although in saying that, bits, dribs and drabs every day, uh, every day stuff comes through. Uh, we'll go through it. Um... I guess the big news is that uh, the Aberdeen chairman, uh, what's his name again, Paul? I can't even remember. Dave Cormack. Dave Cormack uh, put out a statement today basically saying Aberdeen are kiboshed. Uh, they're going to lose $5 million, uh, I think it is. Uh, they've got $1.5 million in the bank, but they're running at, uh, with no income coming in, they're spending $1.2 million a month. Uh they were expecting, you know, cup semi-finals, maybe a cup final. That'll be right. Um, and uh, all these league games, uh, basically saying that no club in Scotland will survive this if it goes on for an uh, extended period. Uh, I don't know who it was in the podcast on Friday, Rem, said uh, there was only one club would survive, but uh, Dave Cormack suggesting that uh, no club... I think it was I think it was Paul McStay said it. Was it Paul McStay said it? Uh, well, um pretty bleak uh, picture isn't it well it is and I I do have sympathy with them but my sympathy is tempered with the fact that they cut their allocations for for us this year when they could have had more money in the bank they're they're a pretty well run club but and they've been shafted here but some of the things they've done this year haven't looked particularly impressive but you know when a team where 1.5 million in the bank is saying they're going to struggle, and they've said 5 million over the next three months, so they're not expecting any football till July. You know that's a that's a 
if they've got money, most Scottish clubs don't have that sort of money in the bank. Obviously, they don't have those sort of overheads. I'd imagine they'd probably get the fourth biggest wage bill in Scotland. Um, but, you know, it's a, a real alarm bell and I don't think the SPL and this uh, cross-joint group can let it run much longer and I think we're going to have to call the league pretty soon. The uh, one thing that struck me was the amount of uh, Rangers fans going on to, uh, you know, this is karma for 2012. I mean, uh, they should be looking in a mirror, shouldn't they, Paul? I mean, I'm just waiting for the shoot to drop there. Well, it's self-awareness, isn't it? Exactly their strongest point, is it? Uh, that yeah, uh, seeing some of the replies to similar Aberdeen Twitter feed today, I had a quick look down at and. Probably nine out of every ten reply was replying that thread. <clears throat> excuse me, was from a a gloating Rangers fan, which probably says as much about going back to their PR. Probably says as much about how uh, how their PR is positioned to, to to kind of brainwash them into thinking that everything's rosy, because they are the team in Scotland. I think you'll be hard pushed to find anybody who's not a Rangers fan who would immediately acknowledge the fact that they're the, the club that's at the biggest amount of risk at the moment. So if Aberdeen are in the situation that they're coming out publicly about, Hearts are in the situation that they've publicly declared, you can only imagine the mess that Rangers must be in. The, uh, the other thing, just speaking of Hearts here, uh, Rem, I saw the, that there was a, I don't know if it was an announcement, but it was certainly leaked out that uh, Craig Levine and Austin McPhee have taken uh, pay cuts as well. I don't know. I, I thought they had gone. No, they're seeing out their contracts. Um, it's quite funny seeing the journalists pretending that Hearts are a well-run club um, when they've still got those two chancers in the wage bill. Um, and that's one of the reasons why they're running out of money fast. They've got, they effectively got three managers on their books. Um, and I think their contracts are up in uh, at the end of the season. But, you know, Hearts are... I mean... It's, it's good that Levine's offered to take a pay cut to stay on. It's just it's a joke. Um, he should have been emptied when he, he should have been emptied when he was sat, but they obviously couldn't afford it. And that should have sent the first alarm bells out then. Well, well, I know it's not a personal attack. Craig Levine, who's a uh, well, Mike's been quite a good lad, very bright guy. Becky twat. Uh, well, I don't like him. Well, uh, I'm sure he, I'm sure that keeps him awake at night, but. Well, uh, I don't care. I just I do not like him. I think he's an arse, and uh, he's been draining money out of that club for years. And uh, it's all his signings that have effectively left him in the shit. But well, two things. One, we did get a note, Paul. Did you see that about the swearing quotient? We need to, you know, and, and these. I know these are troubled times. I know the world is hurtling towards Armageddon. But can we? Cut, cut down swearing. The, uh, who who the, sent that? Because it never went to me. Well, it, it, listen, it's because all the kids are at home now. Oh, I forgot about that. Right, anyway, you're... you're uh, children. You've had Sorry, a... Children don't turn out like me. You've had a yellow card. Uh, no, it, it just is. The, you are right, Rem, the, the idea that you know, people pretending that Hearts is a, is a well-run club. I mean, Ann Budgie's money was welcome at the time. Saved the club and in many ways well it did save the club but in terms of the management it's just been a disaster here so the Aberdeen statement um, I saw Roger Mitchell Paul do you remember Roger Mitchell he uh, he piped in from he, he lives in Italy I think he lives 
I don't know, I think he might live up near Bergamo where the, the real kind of... Como. Is it Como? All oh, right. Um, I think the clue might be in his Twitter name. Well, I, I, I actually blocked him a long time ago. I couldn't even bother with him. But I saw something on a story. Uh, this is quite interesting. And it, it chimes with stuff that I've been hearing. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard it from... Uh, but anyway, pretty, pretty knowledgeable... Uh, uh, let me think, how am I going to put this? Anyway, uh, people who would be in a position to know uh, that, uh, as we as we we suspected, Paul, that all, all the clubs in the league, including Espanyol, are 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 prepared to uh, see Celtic given the title. Although some will have to make their protestations uh, public. The quote it was a quite a good quote. This is our uh, a good uh, Rangers pal of mine uh, saying, "This is our Sevco." Uh, the so um, and anyway, Roger Mitchell is saying that you know Rangers have already conceded. I don't know how he's in a position to know, but Rangers have already conceded that Celtic will be given the title, uh, and the sooner the better for the financial good health or financial health of the all the teams in the SPFL. Uh, that sounds pretty uh, pretty believable, Paul, doesn't it? Yeah, and it probably tallies with where we were a couple of weeks ago when this was all starting to to brew. Where I think we'd we'd all heard similar about the relatively I don't know if relax the right word, but but the relatively uh, pragmatic approach that was supposedly getting taken over at Ibrox about how things were going to be concluded. I think the the two three weeks since then. Uh, Aberdeen and Hearts, as we've talked about, are, are the two that are public have come out. But I think the financial issues have crystallised to the extent where it's starting to to get quite close to desperation stages. Alan Burrows, we talked about the other night, he made, he made a, a a fairly articulate case for why things needed to be concluded pretty quickly. And yeah, I, I think for, for what Roger Mitchell's saying, not, not that he's a guy that I, I kind of rate very highly for his his own stewardship of Scottish football, but if he is in the know, that would tally with things that we've heard. So I, it's getting to the the point where I think there needs to be a step back into reality. Uh, you look at the timings around when things are supposedly due to restart, the uncertainty that's there around the the science of whether things will be able to restart and the logistics of it just look they just look horrendous in terms of actually getting any more games played this season if you assume this season has to be completed by the summer or over the summer it's going to be pretty tough although there are still some Japanese soldiers out in the jungle uh, Andy Gray since <laughs> <laughs> The uh, leagues in the balance. I, know, the balance. I think the phrase he used was "too close to call." I mean, yeah. I, 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 can I give you my Andy Gray anecdote? Oh, go on then. It's I don't know. Um, I was out one night with a an ex Celtic assistant manager, and we were in uh, McFab's up in Sucky Hall Street in Glasgow. And Andy Gray was in uh, with his, I don't know, third or fourth wife and his father-in-law, who I think was younger than him. And he shouted the Celtic, he came over to speak to, I'll just call him Gary, because that's who it was. And uh, says, oh, how you doing, Parks? Uh, 
long time no see because they played together at Villa or worked together at Villa. And uh, Parker says to him, uh, "What are you doing up here?" And he says, "Oh, I'm up for the hundred and twenty. He says, "I'm up for the hundred and twenty stuff." And I said to him, "What days?" And he went, "I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting into that." He stormed off. <laughs> I still remember. He sloped off into the night. <laughs> remember these debut for Rangers? Was it the League Cup final? Was it the League Cup final? Came on as a sub. Was it? Was it? Was it League Cup final, semi final at Hamden? You not remember that? He came on. I don't really remember a lot, but he's. Uh, oh, it was br- he was rotten, and he was done by the time he got oh, to them. It was very funny. I, 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 I can't remember what year it was. But he, it was brilliant. It was his lifelong ambition to play for Rangers, and he came on as a sub the last, you know, I don't know, last fifteen minutes. I think we were beating him, and he's tried to run. Oh my god! The whole stadium started pissing itself laughing. Anyway, he thinks it's too close to call. Uh, funnily enough, though, it is interesting. I mean, some things are too too close to call. I mean, in Italy, I think are Juventus two points ahead of uh, Lazio. I just can't. I don't have it, but. I mean, some leagues are too close to call. Spain, Spain's Spain. pretty close as well. Uh, that will be... Uh, how are they going to sort that out? I mean, do, you, do you just call it? Let's say Scotland... Let's put Scotland to one side and let's put England to one side. But these leagues that are too... I mean, genuinely are too close to call. What do you do? Do you give Barcelona the title over Real Madrid? What would you do, Paul? I, I think... Oh. Sorry, I, I think they're desperate to get the games played, even if it's behind closed doors, and and they're already they're already planning for them. But the looks of things, you know, they're all giving it the well, the we're flattened the curve and the the deaths are are dropping, and you know they might be ready to play at the end of May, beginning of June. I, I mean, I I don't know, but I mean the Huns are going to go mental if we're given the league, but we're thirteen points clear. How do you you know in Spain they've still got to play each other? So it's I, I don't know if you can call that one, but if you if you make it, every league's getting called. Then, but but similarly, you know, UEFA are saying the leagues they can make their own decisions. But when do they when do they have to finish the leagues by? And maybe they just get that game scheduled in quickly, and then they, they might know one way or another if they have to call it. Yeah, but if Madrid, but when that puts them one point ahead of Barcelona with you know X number of games. Uh, yep. What do you think, Paul? Well, I mean, how do you call it, or don't you? Well, I'd, again, I'd imagine for all the reasons we've talked about, and over, you know, a week or so ago when we talked in about contracts, etc. I, I can't see the Spanish or Italian leagues being any different in contractual terms. You know, they'll have payments that are contingent on. The league's been finished, and and payments that are contingent on you know TV games being broadcast and X number of uh, euros being applicable per game that's broadcast. So, you know, financially they're going to have to take a hit. Everybody's taking a hit now anyway. You know, in, in every shape, of, shape and form of industry and, and personal life. So they're not any different for that. But my thing as I've said right from the start is the ideal scenario would be some degree of consistency if UEFA could show some direction and leadership and say right unprecedented times call for unprecedented acts this is how it's going to be tackled and what that then does is it would at least take the it would leave a better taste to a lot of people I understand that but at least it would take the parochialism at the decision making it would get to a point where everybody's playing under the same 
same rules and, and you know the same revised rules. The problem you've got just now is you know if they start making individual calls, well this one's too close to call, so we're going to null and void it. This one's there's a distance on it. This one the distance isn't isn't big enough between first and second to to make it clear. You know that that's just going to be a total mess. There has to be a almost a black and white answer to it. It's, you either do it for everybody or you do it for nobody. I have just uh, Juventus. If you, if you look at if you look, just to finish that one, Lord, you look at Barcelona. have asked their players to take a wage cut. Yeah, I saw that twenty five percent. The rumor is Juventus are going to ask him as well. Ask their players. Um, so it, it's not it's not unique to Scotland. There's you know this it is a pan, it's a global pandemic, and there are there are some really big clubs struggling. Um, so you take Paul's point that they need they need closure and they need the leaks declared finished or whatever to get payments a lot of them might be more amenable than they normally would to getting it called as it is right now I, I did notice that but Barca looking for and uh, Messi et al are quite happy to take the I'm sure they've got a few quid in the bank um, anyway uh, the other um, straw in the wind who knows uh, the Highland League called Nairn was it no it wasn't Nairn it was Brora Brora yeah. were 13 points ahead and the league bet at the end of at the weekend, I think, and awarded um, Brora the trophy. I did see a picture on Twitter, Paul. I don't know if it was from the past, but it was all the players together. You know, that kind of classic team photo with the with a trophy. And what I'm looking at, that, I'm thinking, really? Surely not. Um, King, I'm hoping that might have been an old picture because uh, you know it's pretty irresponsible if not. Uh, the only thing about that, uh, uh, the Inverurie Locos were. I didn't know there was such a team, but uh, good name. They were second, and I saw their manager. I think it was in the record saying, "You know what? Uh, it was an easy decision to to make." Abrora were the best team in the league. They were thirteen points clear. Of course, we'd uh, concede. Uh, you know not concede, yeah, I guess concede the title, uh, give it to them, and that's fine, we'll just wrap it up for the year. The um, here, Here's the thing, Paul, and it's been... So, if the title's given to Celtic, uh, how do we deal with uh, irate Rangers fans? My suggestion is that any time you talk to them or uh, interact with them, you've got to use plenty of asterisks. I, I don't know if you've got any uh, any suggestions, because it's good, it's coming. Yeah, I, I would, I would certainly, I would advocate every Celtic fan on Twitter changing their name. I think we did it back in twenty twelve when we went to administration that everybody changes their Twitter name and puts an asterisk after it, just to sort of designate <laughs> how much we're enjoying it. No, listen, I think I'll be pointing out to them that you know there's winners and losers. Certainly, there's 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 a Rangers team just being handed a, a trophy in, in the Highlands. So you know, what are you upset about? said <laughs> one for one. The uh, how how we, how are you going to deal with it, Rem? As I say, it's going to be uh, it's going to be coming. Uh, with I'll be magnanimous and humble. Oh, why that'll be right. Right. No, exactly. I won't. I'll laugh at them as normal. The league's been in the bag for weeks. Even all their, their message boards, they've all league's done. Gerard's looked like you know, you know, he's blinked a few times more than he should have. They know the league's done, but now all of a sudden, and somebody did a somebody did a mathematical forecast through to the end of the season, and they, they gave they gave them a one point one percent chance of winning the league. They've got no chance. So if 
they, as, as it was mentioned earlier, they need the money more than anybody. They are going to accept it. Uh, yeah. Um, I saw that, actually. I think it was 98.87 or something. Celtic were 98.87 yep, yep. uh, favoured to to win the league. Anyway, the Inverurie, I thought it was very magnanimous of the Inverurie locos. Um, I'm just thinking, uh, I don't, have you seen any news from Celtic? I, I, really, everything... Everything really has uh, dried up, hasn't it? Uh, you know, the Aberdeen statement today is really the only thing that's uh, that's new. Has there been much on the? Uh, I saw something on the Celtic TV Twitter feed about uh, the Edward and the Edward and Griffiths partnership. That was pretty good. Uh, so hopefully the club will keep uh, pushing out some content, some new content. I don't know, no, won't be new content, but you know, m- mixing up old content and shoving it out. I think they've done a pretty good job in that so far. But well, apart, apart from Saturday, which was just <laughs> cringe-worthingly, depressingly embarrassing. Well, what was that? I missed that. They, what was that? They, they, ran, they ran a real-time, uh, I think it was pro-evolution soccer, minute-by-minute uh, minute commentary of a virtual game. Instead of us playing St. Johnson, they ran a virtual game. They were playing St. Johnson, and, and it... I was getting I was getting it retweeted in my timeline, but oh my god! And I think they even put they put the goals up today with the unique angle stuff, which is taking it a wee bit too far. I think. Did we win? Uh, I think we won about nine nothing or so. <laughs> I think it was somewhere it was six nothing or so. I'm not sure, but uh, which we probably would have done in real time anyway. But uh, I know what they're doing. I know they're trying to kind of be lighthearted about it, and that's that's fair enough. But oh god. Remember when they started? When they started on Twitter, they had a send in photos of your pets and oh. or something. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see Tony, that still comes up in conversation. He's still quite resentful. I absolutely destroyed it on Twitter at the time, and, and he, I think he was quite pissed off. <laughs> I think, think everybody had a finger hovering over unfollowed, and it was just. <laughs> 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 what well, was it? P- pets and hoops. Pets and hoops. Yeah, it, it was. It was like dogs wearing and, and catch, I think some guy in a pig. I tell uh, you, I, I, again, I, I, I know you tease me for this for my Motherwell obsession, but they did a great little video the other day. They got all the players to send in videos of themselves in, in terms of training and all that, and then somebody in the office obviously stitched it all together. I really recommend you go to the Motherwell FC uh, Twitter feed. It's a really funny, really good video. Grant Russell's brilliant, by the way. Uh, uh, Fraser Foster training at home, you know, practicing his passing out from the back, breaking all his <laughs> ornaments and stuff like that. <laughs> that would be really good. But there was some boy, I don't know who it was, was driving around in a, you know, one of these big lawnmowers. Ah, oh, it was just, it was really good, really smart, really funny. Uh, hopefully, Celtic will uh, copy that, uh, or you know, or try and use their um, imagination uh, and keep it all going. Here, just one, two more things. As I say, not much to go on today. But, uh, so uh, the other thing I did notice. The the behind closed doors movement you can refer to this in Spain a little bit, Rem, but the behind closed doors movement is gathering uh, momentum. I think uh, the English PFA are softening their stance on behind closed doors, playing games behind closed doors. The objection that I read, which really pees me off, is oh, football without the fans here is meaningless. Well, I'm sorry, you know these are uh, exceptional times. Uh, what would you think? We've already had games behind closed doors, haven't we? Yeah, we've had European games behind yeah. closed doors. Uh, we had the PSG. I, 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 
the PSG Dortmund game, which I watched, I quite I, I wouldn't like it all the time, but it was really interesting to to see top top players playing a game behind closed doors. You get all the well, you can hear what they're all screaming and shouting. I you can hear the ball hitting the back of the net. I mean, it was really, I thought it was you know, it was quite entertaining. I mean, it would actually remind me when Mick McCarthy played for Celtic. Because you could hear him above the, the kind of the noise of the jungle half the time. He was the loudest football player I've ever seen. So the uh, I've had SPFL games, but oh, it would be absolutely brilliant. Uh, because I'm watching PSG and Dortmund, and well, I can't understand what anybody's saying. But oh, could you imagine? You know, uh, Hamilton Ackies versus Ross County or something. Oh. My blood and thunder, it'd be brilliant. Well, uh, if you're allowed, you might be allowed 300 in, so that would still be a big crowd for Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> when they rustle up 300. <laughs> um, the uh, so there is that. Uh, the other thing, uh, Rem, uh, UEFA put out a statement, uh, Champions League uh, finals have postponed them, put them back to is it. I can't remember when is it the end of June. They haven't they haven't took dates out. They've just said that they're hoping to play them at the end of June. But that that just if you, if they've already UEFA have already tried to schedule the, the the Nations League playoffs and finals for the first couple of weeks in June. So if you've got that and you've got the Champions League and the Europa League, how are you going to play the league games? I I, I, I just can't see it. It just seems like they're playing. It's just politics, isn't it? You, you know, if, if the you know they're trying to assert their supremacy over the domestic leagues. You know, our games take priority. Well, hang on a second. Scotland against Israel for a a playoff game for a tournament that would take place until the summer of twenty twenty one. Get lost, you know. Um, and as for the chat, I mean. Uh, it's for the Champions League. Well, that's not going to happen, is it, Paul? That's just not going to happen. Final on the thirtieth no. of June or whatever. If it if it if it was just if it was equivalent to where we are in the Scottish Cup and you had a couple of semi-finals and a final to play, if you assumed that they got back playing at the start of June domestically, you could just about see how they could squeeze the games and maybe make the semi-finals one-offs or something. But given that we've we've got quarter-finals that aren't even complete at the moment. So, you know, one tie played that the last 16 games in the Europa League that are only one tie played. So how the hell are they going to manage that by the end of June? It's on the very optimistic premise that football restarts at some time in late May, which is, I think, between the three, I certainly would doubt. But in the wider football community seems to be increasingly being created with with incredulously and with some scepticism. Uh, I just can't see it. Can't see it at all. Um, anyway, uh, that's about it. Any other business, Rem? Yeah, anything else? Uh, yeah, no. If I did, I think I'd maybe try and save it to tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you set up a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I should what, say: a Lynn hanging off the white cliff. <laughs> the uh, the one thing I should say I should have said at the top our good pal Harry Brady at Celtic Underground I think he's doing a I'm not going to give away I think he hasn't t- said what he, but he's starting a podcast series uh, so stay um, keep your ears tuned for that that'll be really really good I would imagine uh, and typically provocative from Harry uh, other than that uh, Paul any other business? No again I've, I've saved the big news for the next episode <laughs> 
<laughs> this bro. Right, we're, we on are on that bombshell. I own that bombshell. So we're going to try and keep this going for for the rest of the week. But uh, as I say, the news is is drying up. Uh, basically, us reading out stories of Red in the Guardian or the back page of the Daily Record or or whatever. Although I I suspect, I mean, I don't correct me if you. Well, what do you think, Paul? The uh, I suspect there's a certain momentum building towards the uh, the SPF, SPFL board coming to decision on the title. Uh, and that, that might happen, that might come this week, you never know. Uh, the interesting one for me will be, well, obviously the fact that Celtic will be declared champions, but the other is the, how they're going to sort out the relegation. And if, if there is any kind of delay, it might be because they're trying to sort out a reconstruction that would take care of uh, relegation issues for a year or push them back for a year. And we may well see a 14-club uh, SPFL next year. I think that'd be a good thing. Would you look forward to that? Uh, well, depending on how they structured that, I, I don't know. I, I I think at this point we'd look forward to any football, wouldn't we? Yeah. Uh, it'd just be nice to have some football to look forward to. So, uh, probably the least our worries at the moment is what that's going to look like. It's more about more about getting us back on the park and and having some football wise to look forward to. Uh, the other thing we could possibly be doing over the, the next few days is we, we could be predi- predicting which who the next ex Hun brain scientist that comes up to talk about the destination of the league title will be. I mean, we've had some absolute crackers in the last week. Hutton and, uh, and Ferguson and, and Andy Gray today, you know. So I'm expecting a, a full statement for Gregor Stevens before the end of the week. <laughs> She's still around. Wow, that's a good, it's one from the memory banks. Here, anyway, Paul, uh, good to talk to you soon. Uh, uh, sure. good, to, good to talk to you, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Rem, all the best, mate. Aye, OK. Catch you tomorrow, guys. Bye-bye.